Thanks for choosing to listen to another City Point West podcast. I trust that this message empowers and encourages you to continue your journey of faith. Enjoy. Hey, good Friday. Come let's get anyone happy to get back to the Word of God in a bit of series this morning. We are Good Friday service. All the kids in the room, amen to me because they want to get out of here because there's no kids church this morning. Uh, I was standing next to a kid when a, when a parent informed them there was no kids church and they're like, oh, that's not fair. I love it that our kids love our kids church. But then I encouraged him, hey, you get to listen to me preach. And he's like, oh, it's not fair. Come on, let's get into the Word of God today. Hey, we've been looking at the book of Peter and last week we spent a bit of time in Peter chapter 1. And listen, I feel like Peter is probably the guy out of everybody that is most qualified to, to talk about Easter. The very first Easter, this guy, this, this guy Peter was like front row seat to everything that was going on. He, he was like the left-hand man to Jesus. He was standing right beside him. He was watching what was happening. He, he was there seeing, he, he saw when Jesus first spoke and said, this is what's going to happen. He was also the guy that said, no, 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 that can't be the case. That's not the deal. We, 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 you're going to be always just such a powerful king. And he was there. He was the guy that, that, that said, I'll go with you, Jesus, right to the very end. But he was also there, the guy that just turned his back on Jesus a little bit as well. And now in 1 Peter, Peter, chap, uh, Peter chapter 1 starts to write about the power of what happened through Easter. Listen, he was qualified because he was there. He saw it. He watched. He saw the outcomes in, uh, happening there. But he also wrote this 15 to 20 years later when he thought on it for a little bit. Does, does anyone know, like when we go through stuff, it's powerful. But when we think on it later on, we see the power in a greater way. You, you know, sometimes when, when we look back on our lives, we go, wow, that, that actually happened. Wow, that shaped me in a great way. Wow, in the middle of it, it was powerful. But looking back, it was even more powerful. This is what happens to Peter. And he starts to write uh, in, in verse 13 as he leads into this conversation about what happened at Easter. I'm going to pick up where I left off last week in verse 13, but I'm going to read the New Living Translation. Uh, last week, I was speaking our New King James Translation. And in the middle of that, he said this, uh, gird up your loins. I feel like I lost the entire church for a second when I made the joke about uh, him, like, is this pull up our underwear? Uh, Beck, you're still laughing at it from last week. I can see that look on your face, girl. He says it here in the New Living Translation. So prepare your minds for action. Exercise self-control. Put all your hope in the gracious salvation that will come to you when Jesus Christ is revealed to the world. Put all your hope. Isn't it incredible what the world puts their hope in? Uh, listen, I don't want to go too much into world politics, but if we jump for a moment into America and we see the trial of Donald Trump and we see people placards out in front of the courthouse saying, give us Trump or give us death, we realise people are putting their hope in the wrong stuff. Listen, Donald Trump may be a good president, he may be a bad one, I don't really care either way. But if my hope is in Donald Trump, I am in big, big, big. And I could go on all morning and I've got to keep preaching big trouble. Listen, if our hope is in our politicians, we are going to be in big, 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 big trouble. 
Listen, if our hope is in the RBA and, and how that works for us financially and, and how interest rates go into our future, if our hope is in that place, if we're just hinging our hope around all of these things, if our hope's right there, listen, we're going to be in big, big trouble. If our hope is in economists and what they tell us of the future of Australia economy, if we hinge our hope right there and we, and we put our whole life around that, we're going to be in massive issues. This one is really like real for today. If our hope is in social media influences today, oh my God, we are in lots and lots and lots of trouble. They may have a hundred million followers, but they can't even get their life together. We live in a world that hinges their hope in the most ridiculous places. And Peter is in a time when he is around the reality that people do the same. And he says, now put your hope in the gracious salvation, which will come to you through Jesus Christ. Listen, I want to speak to a group of believers sitting in a room that may be looking, where does my hope lie? Let your hope lie in Jesus Christ. This is the one Saviour that won't let you down. This is the one Saviour that didn't need to pay off people for keeping their mouths shut. This is the one Saviour that doesn't hedge their bets where the economy is going to go. This is the one Saviour that doesn't have 100 million followers yet can't live their life in the right way. This is the Saviour that has had followers for 2,000 years. And for 2,000 years, He hasn't let us down. For 2,000 years, He's plucked us out of brokenness. For 2,000 years, He's grabbed a hold of our lives when we're in mess. In 2,000 years, He's turned hearts around, minds around, lives around, cities around, nations around. This is the one we, we hinge our hope on, and that is Jesus. Verse 14, so you must live as God's obedient children. Don't slip back into your old ways of living to satisfy your own desires. You didn't know any better then. Oh, is there anyone in the room that had a moment in your life when you didn't know any better? I stand here on the platform being a young person that didn't know any better and being a young person that made some terrible decisions in my life, that walked some hideous ways, being a young person that, that didn't live the way that God had intended me to live. But the beautiful reality is this, that Jesus has called me to Himself and I become a child of God. I become a child of God. So you must live as God's obedient children. I look around this room, no matter your past, no matter the mess that's been in your life, no matter the brokenness that's been there, no matter where you've walked, God has called you to become children of God. And we celebrate on this Easter Friday the work of the cross that causes us to become children of God. Listen, no matter your failure, the cross is enough for you today. You have been called to be a child of God. But he says now as his obedient children of God, I'm a child of David and Trish. I wasn't always an obedient child of David and Trish. In fact, my mother would often say to me many times, Tim, I didn't raise you to live like that. I didn't raise you to act like that. I didn't raise you to speak like that. She usually did it around the clothing I was wearing. She was never happy with the fact that I would just be wearing old clothes and walking around. I used to even go to church as a young person with old clothes. My mum was so upset. She's like, I didn't raise you to be that way. Uh, anyone seen my fish shoes? My mum would be horrified at my fish shoes. Even though they are the greatest shoes God has ever created. 
Can I have an amen from Rahanji up the back? <laughs> Greatest shoes ever. My mum would be horrified. Why would you dress like that? Why would you act like that? Why would you talk like that? Listen, we have a God in heaven speaking to us about how we live, how we walk. But he didn't just leave us at that place. This celebration here is a celebration of the cross and the fact that he now pulls us out of the mess and the way that we live and calls us back into being children of the most high God. And yes, that has a requirement in the way that we walk and live. Verse 15 through to verse 17, he says this, but you now must be holy in everything that you do, just as God who chose you is holy. For the scriptures say, you must be holy as I am holy. Remember that the heavenly Father to whom you pray has no favorites. He will judge and reward according to what you do. So you must live in, in reverent fear of Him during your time here as temporary residents. See, there's a lot in those scriptures. There's a lot there. He calls us to be holy. What is He calling us to Himself? A.W. Tozer said this, All things as they move towards God are beautiful, and they are ugly as they move away from Him. It's the moving towards Him because He is holy. It's holiness in our life as we walk towards Him. We walk towards Him. Peter makes a statement there that we live in reverent fear as our time here as temporary residents. Now, listen, this temporary residence isn't speaking about the motorbike rider that passed you on the highway yesterday doing 150 and dodged between you and a truck. He's not talking about temporary residents the people that drive crazy on the roads. He's talking about the fact that, listen, we live on this earth as human beings, but that isn't where our eternal outworking is. We're called to an eternity with Jesus Christ. Listen, this is just a brief moment compared to eternity with Christ. The outworking and the living in eternity is the reality what we are called and created for. We walk here as a short period of time. And in that, we are being prepared for eternity. Prepared for the reality of we have an eternity with a holy, righteous God who is calling us to Himself, calling us into His holiness, calling us into His righteousness. A.W. Tozer again said this, Holiness is taught in the Scriptures, is not based upon knowledge in our part. Rather, it is based upon the resurrected Christ indwelling us and changing us into His likeness. That holiness isn't, oh, I know some stuff. Listen, sometimes we come into church and we think, I don't know enough of the Bible and I'm not quite sure. Listen, if that's you, I encourage you, keep leaning into the Word of God and the power of that. But we don't walk in here, I don't know enough. So that other person that sits down the front, carries their Bible in, they must be so spiritual. They must be so holy. Listen, it's not about what we know in our minds it is about the power of the Holy Spirit at work in us, the indwelling, working in our lives as the power of the cross moves in us, changes us, transforms us, changes our lives. Listen, some of the smartest Christians that I know don't understand the power of holiness because they don't understand that it's God's work in me. I stand here as your pastor saying it's God's work in my life. Prior to that, yes, I knew the Bible as a kid. I grew up in church life. I grew up in Sunday school. But it wasn't until the Holy Spirit let that Bible come alive in me and transform in me. And it was the power of the cross that enabled that to happen. We've been prepared 
for the reality of walking with God in eternity. Verse 18 and 19. For you know that God paid a ransom to save you from that empty life you inherited from your ancestors. And it's not paid with mere gold and silver which lose their value. It was the precious blood of Christ, the sinless, spotless lamb. God chose him, verse 20, as your ransom long before the world began. But now in these last days, he has been revealed for your sake. For you know that God paid a ransom to save you from the empty life that you inherited from your ancestors. There is so much power in those verses right there. For you know that God paid the ransom. Listen, if we go back to the Old Testament, we read the book of Hosea. And in it, we get a real life picture of this outworking for our life. When Hosea marries this woman, takes her to be his wife. She was a woman that had lived far outside the picture that God had for her, but he brings her back and marries her. The Bible tells us she returns to a sin of harlotry, even having children outside of marriage to other men, but he still loves her. The Bible tells us one day she doesn't arrive home and she's been taken to the slave table. Jose goes looking for his wife, Goma. Where is she? Where is she? And he finds her upon that slave table. The Bible tells us that he buys her back he ransoms her back and brings her back home to himself and loves her again. This story is a powerful story. It's a mind-blowing story of love and grace. But it's our story. We were already gods, yet we're on that slave table of sin, that slave table of generational curses, that slave table of our past sin and mistakes, that slave table of the, of the past that clung to us, we were slaves to it. Paul writes, you were slaves to your sin. Yet Jesus come and ransomed, and ransomed us back at the price of His blood and brought us back. Listen, the story of Hosea is powerful because she returns back Gomer and says, Master, you've now bought me. What shall I do for you? He says, don't call me master. Call me husband. I didn't buy you back to enslave you. I bought you back to set you free. Free that you could love me. This is the beauty of the gospel. This is the beauty of Jesus. He didn't buy us back and ransom us back with the blood to enslave us today. You walk into this room free to love Him. 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 You've been ransomed from the empty life that we'd inherited from our ancestors, that empty life of those generational curses that we dragged behind us, those family curses. Listen, you may walk into this room, your family may have been a mess in the past, may have been full of brokenness and despair, but you walk in here and the power of the cross cuts the ties of those curses off your life, cuts the ties of your past. You may walk into this room dragging with you a past that is ugly and it is messy and it may have shame attached to it. Let me tell you right now, the power of the cross cuts that shame, cuts that mess, cuts that despair, cuts the ugliness of your past. Why do we celebrate Easter Friday? We celebrate because it's so powerful for our lives. My past is cut off. My failures are gone. My despair is gone. My shame is gone. 
It's the power of the cross. Listen, if you walked into this room dragging your shame, dragging your past with you, leave it in the seat today and get up and walk out free, free in Jesus Christ, free because of the cross. Your old sins are done away. This is the beauty of the gospel. My past is gone. My past is gone. Verse 19, it was the precious blood of Christ. What ransomed me? The precious blood of Christ. It wasn't money. It wasn't dollars and cents. It was the precious blood of Jesus Christ, the sinless, spotless lamb that was shed for me. Listen, the contemporary church often shies away from the talk around the the power of the blood of Jesus Christ. Shies away. We We don't want to talk about the blood. That's weird to talk about. Listen, if you think it's weird to talk about, you will always live in a place of a powerless Christianity because it's the blood of Jesus Christ that washed my past. It's the blood of Jesus Christ that makes me whole. It's the blood of Jesus Christ that washed away my sin. There is power, power, wonder-working power in the blood of Jesus. We must speak about the blood of Jesus Christ. And the incredible power that washed over my mind and is every day renewing my thinking, renewing my believing. It's the blood of Jesus. It's the blood of Jesus. It renews my mind and my thinking. That's where the power lies. Listen, if you shy away from that, you shy away from the power. And you will always live in a powerless Christianity. We don't have a powerless Christianity. We have the redemption in the precious blood of Jesus Christ that washed me white as snow. He said God chose him long before the world began. Listen, God's plan of redemption was laid out from the beginning. I spoke about this last week, Zach. From the beginning, it was laid out for your life. It was laid out for who we are. Listen, you may sit in this room. You may think I haven't been to church for a long while. I'm here to tell you the precious blood of Jesus Christ and the plan of redemption through His blood was laid out from the beginning of time for you today, for me today. I stand here not as a man perfect. I stand here as a man righteous because of the blood of Jesus Christ. The plan, I praise God, was for me. Whilst I was yet a sinner, Paul wrote, Christ died for me. Whilst I was yet messy, whilst I was yet ugly, whilst I was yet in my brokenness, He died for me and He drew me to Himself and His blood's renewing my mind and my life every single day. Charles Charles Spurgeon made a great statement. He said, morality may keep you out of jail, but it takes the precious blood of Jesus Christ to keep you out of hell. Being a good person might keep us out of jail. But it's the beautiful blood of Jesus Christ that washes over our life. Listen, Paul writes in Ephesians, we are made near to Christ by His blood. Matthew says, you know, Jesus says in Matthew, it's His blood that forgives our sins. Hebrews writes, we have a cleansed conscience by the blood of Jesus Christ. Hebrews again writes, we are sanctified daily by the blood of Jesus Christ. Revelations tells us by His blood, We overcome the devil. We overcome him by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimonies. First Peter tells us we are ransomed and we are rescued by the blood of Jesus Christ. What can wash away my sin? 
nothing but the blood of Jesus. I know this message will keep speaking to you as you continue your day. So for more information about City Point West, jump on citypointchurch.com or follow our social media accounts, Instagram, City Point West, or our Facebook, City Point Church West. Have a great day.